You gotta love the lectionary, right? I mean, nothing says Happy Father's Day like Jesus saying that he will set son against father and daughter against mother in our passage this morning. I'm not sure it's going to catch on for a Hallmark card. I myself have very complicated feelings about Father's Day since my dad died a couple years ago. I try to focus on the incredible father that my husband is, but I also often find myself having moments of deep grief throughout the day. So for me, the thought of having to choose between my dad and God seems strange. It's a strange, strange passage. But I don't think that Jesus is really inviting us to reject our family here. I think that he is instead encouraging people to look at what God is calling us to do. And to stop using the excuse of family, heritage, tradition, or even church to keep us from boldly living in the way of God. In the first century, family was everything. Family was survival. Without family, people had nothing. There was no self-made person. There was no pulling oneself up by the bootstraps, one's status in the community and chances for a future were all sealed and wrapped into the family in which they were born. For women, it was even more profound. Women were totally reliant, first on their fathers, later on their husbands, and finally on their sons for protection and survival. There was a sense of respect to family and elders that was wrapped up not only in honor and tradition and being polite and having good manners, but also in one's very livelihood. Having and promoting a perspective or lifestyle that was different or antithetical from the family was not only unusual, it was dangerous. Today, many of us would not be disowned from our families for a disagreement. Unfortunately, we know and we remember, especially during this Pride Month, that there are many families with LGBTQ plus children who have disowned their children for simply being who God made them to be. And we are so fortunate that our church is a safe haven for all of God's children, but we continue to pray for God's healing and families who have chosen to double down on fear and poor dogma. But for many of us, myself included, we can be different from our families and vote in different ways and choose different ways of living. And sometimes that might make it a spicy Thanksgiving conversation, but it would not create a rejection or rift in the family. And even so, it is so difficult to take action in ways that challenge our families, our friend groups, our churches, our communities of origin. It's so difficult to take a stand when we think someone we respect or care for would not like it. Jesus in our gospel this morning was telling us 
that no system, no religious institution, no family, no culture should ever be elevated above the love, justice, grace, and equality of God. This is not a comfortable call to action. Conflict on any level is unpleasant, and even more unpleasant when it is those near and dear to us. It's easy to yell out the window at someone you don't know. It's difficult to sit across a living room from someone you cherish and have a hard conversation. The violent language of swords makes it even more dramatic. Now, we know what actually happens when Jesus sees someone with a sword, right? Or when somebody uses violence, because we have an actual example of that in the Gospels. Remember how Peter, after Jesus prayed all night in the Garden of Gethsemane, and Peter and the other guys fell asleep on him, and the next, the next day when he was betrayed by Judas, and the guards came to take him away, Peter took out his sword and cut off one of the people's ears. Jesus stopped everyone and said, hold up, picked up the ear and reunited it to the man's face. He was healing. He was gentle and peaceful in that way. The good news of Christ, however, comforts the afflicted and afflicts the comfortable. It is not physically violent, but it can feel disruptive and violent to our hearts sometimes. Jesus saying he did not come to bring peace but the sword means that he did not come to help us sit back and enjoy, but instead beckons us to the holy revolution, to the truth-telling that leads to a new day, to the action that brings true peace, not the kind of peace we feel when others' pain doesn't touch our comfortable lives or when we are somehow above or protected from the violence that other people experience, but the kind of peace that comes from knowing that we belong to each other and that the pain of the oppressed is also our pain and that we will live our lives of faith in the pursuit of God's love, justice, equality, grace, and peace. It is seeing glimpses of the kingdom as we move toward a new day for us all. Jesus, in his life and ministry, only perpetrated violence against things. The things that represented the oppression of the people. The money changers and crooks that took advantage of the poor and monetized God's forgiveness in a way that harmed more than healed. He didn't kill them or hurt them, but he took the symbols of what they were doing and tossed them about. And yet Jesus, who lived his life not hurting others, but lashing out at systems that oppress and those who benefit from those systems that oppress, Jesus, who took, intentionally took on flesh to both experience suffering and joy and to be solid in solidarity with humanity, Jesus calls us to be in conflict with anything that challenges the love and inclusion of God. That is a heavy task. 
but there is hope and direction in our gospel this morning. One of the places of hope that we can see is that nothing that has been hidden will not be revealed. This is crucial. In the past weeks, we have seen sins from our country laid bare in intense ways. We have seen the ways that systemic racism has continually eroded our communities. We have seen how racism has killed people and kept our black neighbors from opportunity and equality. This thing that has been hidden to some has come to light in a way that feels very uncomfortable, makes us feel grief. It makes us feel sad and sometimes even makes us feel angry. And quite frankly, it makes us want to put it back under the cover of darkness and not deal with it anymore. We'd rather it just go away. But to know that all things will come to light helps give us the courage to move forward in healing because we know that it is not possible to put it back. It is not possible to move backward and undo the things that have done. It's only possible to move forward toward resurrection. Wouldn't it be nicer if this were just a nice sermon about Father's Day? <laughs> All right? I could tell some whimsical stories about my sweet dad, and we could all cry sentimental tears about good fathers. And that'd be better, more fun to listen to than messages of whether Jesus will deny us or not in front of his Father in Heaven. It'd be more palatable than the call to stand against any kind of oppression that challenges the way of God. No doubt about it, it would. It would fit better on a Hallmark card. But Jesus did not come to fit on the front of a Hallmark card. He did not come to bring false peace, and as Christians, we're not called to do it either. Thankfully, we are called to this difficult task by the other gift in this gospel, the reminder that we are beloved of God. This task is impossible to do without God's help. Each of us are so beloved, whether we are part of the comfortable or the afflicted, that God knows how many hairs are on our heads. That God thought we were a good idea to begin with and created us out of the dust. That God knows the number of our days, hours, minutes, and seconds. That God delights in the gift of us to the world. We are filled to overflowing with grace. And nothing can separate us from God's love. And we get to live like that. We are the perfect foot soldiers of justice. We are anointed emissaries of love. We are the embodiment of peace. Peace that does not avoid conflict, but works through it to a place of healing and reconciliation. We are the beloved of God down to the very hair on our heads. Let's get to work. Amen.